Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. And without Holy Spirit, there is no active Christian life. And so we've been kind of just walking through all of these things. And last week, we got into, or or, or maybe two weeks ago, we got into Mark chapter 16, where we talked about how Jesus, you know, gave us the Great Commission. And he said, these are the things we need to go and we need to make disciples, right? But he says also that these signs shall follow you when you believe. And so we walk kind of through, and we'll read the, the portion of Scripture here real quick. But last week we talked about the second sign of the five signs that Jesus promised. And it said they will speak with new tongues, okay? And then he said that these signs shall follow those who believe. So what we need to do is sometimes take a self-analysis, look at ourselves in the mirror, and be able to say, are any of these signs following us? Are any of these part of our, um, I'll, I'll just say arsenal, part of our, our, our tools in our tool bag? Are they following us wherever we go? And, and, and the reason why I say that is because those are these signs that Jesus was, was talking about actually kind of just give validation to the fact that God is working in your life. The Holy Spirit is working in your life. It's kind of this, uh, we called it, um, the, it, it authenticates his work inside of us when we go about, one, it kind of is tied to the fact that we go about sharing the good news of the gospel. And so if we're, if we're not like, you know, sharing the good news in some way. Now, I, I'm, a, I'm a guy who also believes that it, not all sharing of the gospel has to be like, you know, in your face to people. But I believe that, you know what, you can live your life before people and that speaks of the gospel as well. Because people notice. People say, hey, there's something different about you. What, what is that, that, that that's going on? And then you have this ability now to verbally say, well, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the one who's completely, you know, changed my life. So if you missed last week, I, I just pray that you would uh, maybe uh, to go and find the podcast, go and listen to it. And maybe even if you haven't heard all of the, the messages, that you would even just listen to the whole series just to grab... Uh, the idea of what we're trying to get across so that, again, these signs will follow us, right? And, and in our message today, we're going to talk about kind of, there's, there's three more signs that we're going to talk about. Two of them kind of fall, find themselves under God's protection. How many like God's protection, right? Yeah, amen to that. And then the, the, the last one finds itself kind of under the, 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 your ability to minister, Right? Well, yeah, you're called to minister to people too, not just a pastor, reverend, or a preacher, right? But you, as a congregation member, you, as a church member, are called to minister as well. And so that last one kind of talks about that as well. So let's, let's jump into Mark chapter 16, verse 15, and it says, And he said to them, again, this is Jesus, he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. Right? Remember, we talked about the authority of God's name, the authority of Jesus' name. 
It says, In my name you will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. They will drink. If, if they drink any deadly, anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So the title of our message today is Walking in Protection and Ministering Healing. Walking in Protection and Ministering Healing. Let me pray real quick and we'll jump in. Uh, Holy Spirit, help us. Help us, help us to understand how to, that, that we're walking in God's protection and that we are able to minister healing when we go out and declare God's word to other people. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So again, here are the three signs in case you didn't catch them. The first, they will take up serpents. The second, if they drink any deadly, anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And number three, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, in the times that we live in today, and I think we probably would all agree that this, our time is a lot different than what it was the time of the New Testament, right? Totally different scenarios, totally different things that, that um, we experience compared to what they experience because they walked everywhere, right? They didn't take a car, they didn't take a plane, they didn't do any of that. But see, even if that was different than what our scenario is, uh, our scenario doesn't negate us from going and, and giving the gospel, going and taking the gospel to, to other people, to everyone else. And so even though these circumstances are different, they, these things still apply to us. Because you may look at it and think, well, I'm not really sure I kind of understand, like, okay, what does that all mean? And we'll, we'll dive into a little bit of the, of the first one here in just a minute. But see, it's still for us at times, it was hazardous for them to go in, in back in the New Testament times. So Jesus is addressing that. He said, guys, I get it. it. It could be hazardous to you. But even in our time, could it be hazardous to us? It could be. When we go, I mean, we've got all kinds of things that are going on. I mean, we have, you know, um, a volatile cultural things going on that are very, you know, just kind of out there and, and very just um, on edge. We have unstable politics. We have uh, religious prejudices, right? Because you say, I'm a Christian. Well, I'm not, so we're going to battle you. We're going to talk, you know, do all kinds of stuff. You have can cancel culture. You have that. That's pre really uh, prevalent for today. And I mean, and those are just some of the risks, even when you take a, an airplane flight to somewhere else. Right? You don't know what you're walking into sometimes. And so those are just some of the things. But even with all of that swirling around us, we can't let fear grip us to the point where we don't go. Okay? And, and when, I, when I say that too, I'm not even saying that you're called to go across the ocean or, or maybe you know, down, down into Mexico or down into South America. What I'm saying is, man, we can't let that cause us not to go to our neighbors. We can't allow that to cause us not to go to our people at, people at work or even to our family. None of that should be, grip us so much that we are fearful because God and Jesus in, in his explanation of what he just said in, in a, this Mark passage said, hey, you know what? I will be there to protect you every single step of the way. But so when we go, right, even in this, this decaying society, 
We need to believe and declare that God's protection is ours and that these signs will follow us. But see, that, that's, that's the heart of the matter because we've got to believe it. We've got to believe it and we've got to receive it deep down within our heart to know, okay, even though I know the Holy Spirit might be stretching me in the moment, I don't need to fear. I don't need to be like, ah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen to me. But we need to recognize that, you know what, he'll, he'll show up. Because what you are becoming is a carrier of God's presence into a situation that allows you to witness, allows you to share the gospel, right? And then Jesus promises when you share the gospel, when you are a witness to someone, then you know what? His supernatural power will come and will back up the fact that this gospel is true. But see, we have to get to the point where we believe that. Because oftentimes we allow the enemy just to kind of stir some things up in us, right? To lie to us. To kind of say, yeah, you're not that good of a Christian. You're not that good. You, you don't know that much. So you really shouldn't share anything. But see, Jesus is all about, no, 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 no. You're my disciples. If you are walking with me, then I, I will give you the tools. I will give you what to say. The Holy Spirit will speak through you, and you'll say what needs to be said. Even if you don't give a three-point sermon. Right? Even if you don't lay it out in such a way that it's this beautiful, just elegantly spoken picture. It could be the roughest presentation ever. But see, it's not up to your eloquent, eloquent, eloquent words. It's up to the Holy Spirit working in the heart of the hearer. Right? Paul, Paul says, you know what? He didn't come with eloquence of words. Here's Paul. The Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote half of the, the, most of the New Testament, right? And he says, I didn't come with eloquence of words. So that tells me maybe he wasn't the greatest orator. Like he just didn't, it just didn't like, ooh, just come off his lips like so sweet as honey, right? Just, just flow in, you know, probably wasn't, you know, like a, a rhymist or anything like that. But what he did come with was the Holy Spirit's presence backing his life and what he did say. And it's the same principle with us. We do not have to be eloquent speakers. We do not have to have every single word, uh, you know, eloquently put together and placed together. All we got to do is present it to the best of our ability. And when we do, believe that the Holy Spirit will do a work inside of that person. Again, remember, it's, sometimes it's just about planting seeds, right? The kingdom of God is like a farm. You plant seeds, some will then have come along and water it, and often somewhere the fruit comes. So if you're the seed planter, or maybe you're even the waterer, be happy with that. Be, be, be thankful. Hey, I got to be a waterer today. This is awesome. Right? And even if you didn't see the fruit fully developed at that moment, that doesn't mean you walk away being discouraged or holding your head down or, man, see, yeah, I'm just really bad at this. No. It's up to the Holy Spirit. Would you agree with that? Yeah, because that's important to recognize. That's so important to understand. Instead of putting all the pressure on our shoulders, where it's like, oh my gosh, I got I to I, I do it right, I got to do it right. No, we just got to say, hey, this is what I know. This is what God's done for me. Share my testimony. This is what I, I know God can do for you, for at least from what I have experienced. And let the Holy Spirit do the rest. 
Man, it, it, it takes a lot of the burden off you, doesn't it? It should, right? So, okay, so let's look at our three signs, okay, that authentic, that, that uh, help, um, Holy Spirit helps authenticate God's activity in our life. The very first one is they will take up serpents, okay? Now, this is the third sign, right? Now, there are a few extreme churches that have taken this literally, right? I mean, I don't know if you've ever, I've heard of them. I've never been to one, but they're usually somewhere deep in the woods, I think, um, at least from my experience. But, but they've actually taken up serpents as a sign to show, oh, look, God's protection is on my life because I'm taking up this deadly serpent. But I really, I, scripturally, that's not what Jesus was talking about. And so you will never, ever, 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 ever find that here. Just want to make sure that I get that out. Um, because it's kind of a reckless practice. If you, if you, yeah, thanks for sharing that, right? Um, but it's kind of, kind of one of those things where it's like, guys, okay, he does say that, but, but why? Why are we going that? I mean, he just never said that. Because, you know, real faith, um, Jesus never said that real faith requires you to intentionally handle venomous snakes. But that's how they view it. I have real faith because I can do that. And I'm not crumbing on them. It's just kind of different. And it's out there. And it's like, well, you know, but Jesus, you know, he did say they will take up. Okay? They will take up, which basically means to deliberately lift or deliberately take up serpents, which was, again, used for snakes. Now, here's the deal. He was speaking both literally and metaphorically when he, when he talked about that. And I, I was thinking about, okay, you know, oh, so deliberately take up. Well, I think this is just me. You, this is not found in any uh, commentary or anything like that. But when it says deliberate, I think about the time when Paul in Acts chapter 28, I think it was, got bit by a snake, right? And when he got bit by the snake, he picked up the snake and threw it, got rid of it, Okay. That's what I think he's talking about. There will be situations where at times you'll have to get rid of a snake. I hate snakes. I remember when we moved here to Concord in, in North Carolina, and I was doing some yard work. And honestly, I thought they, this was the biggest earthworm I had ever seen in my life. And I thought, oh my gosh, they don't have the size of earth, uh, uh, earthworms um, in California. And I was kind of like looking at And you know how you get like real close because you wanted to see it? And all of a sudden, I could tell it was a snake. You want to talk about me jumping back 10 feet. Because I'm not a snake guy at all. And I was like totally like, oh my God. So I went and got my shovel, chopped the head off, and the body was squirming around. And the head was, I know that was probably inhumane. And if anybody's about animals, I'm sorry. Um, but I just don't like snakes. And so you will never find me doing that at all. But here he is. Jesus is trying to like say, hey, kind of get the idea around this. Because when, when they went out in, in New Testament times, those who were lived in large cities or those who um, lived in small, like, rural areas, they didn't have a car, so they had to walk. Now, back then, some, they, there was not highways or roadways or, or really clear paths. They, they kind of just blazed a trail wherever they went. And in that scenario, a lot of times, poisonous snakes were hiding in the rocks. They were hiding in the bushes. They were, um, you know, in tall grasses. And oftentimes, travelers along that road would be bitten, and they would become extremely ill or even possibly 
die from it. And so Jesus is kind of addressing the, the, the day of the time. Hey, if you go, if you take this seriously, if you go into all the world and preach the gospel, you're going to be walking along roads that possibly snakes might come out. But guess what? I will protect you. Right? I will be there. That's what he's trying to get across to them. That, you know what? I am going to, to, to be with you every step of the way. So do not fear when you go. So just take it on, on the sense of where we're at. Okay, you, you might not say, hey, I'm going to get bit by a snake. But you know what? You might encounter the enemy along the way whose bite sometimes is just as bad as a snake. But what did Jesus say? Hey, don't worry, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to protect you. Right? And sometimes you just need to give the devil a boot in the butt. Just say, get out of here, man. You don't belong here. If I got to pick you up and throw you out the door, I'll pick you up and throw you out the door. But we, we, we've got to understand that we should not have any fear whatsoever. He wants us to know that we will be protected from any danger. Luke chapter 10. If you got your Bibles, turn there. So Luke chapter 10 kind of shines a little more light on this when Jesus called his disciples together and he said, hey, guys, I want you to pray concerning the harvest because the harvest is starting to grow. There's opportunities out there. And I really need us to get into understanding that, you know what, we, want, we need to go and we need to begin reaping these souls for the kingdom. Okay, but then what he says in, in Luke chapter 10, he says, but when you go, you're going to feel as vulnerable as sheep would among wolves. Those don't mix, do they? Sheep and wolves don't mix at all. But he tells his disciples, when you go, when you stretch yourself, when you get out there to share the gospel, you're going to feel vulnerable like a sheep because there will be wolves. And man, wolves do not like sheep. I mean, they like sheep in the sense they're going to eat them, right? But he said, you're going to feel that, but again, don't be fearful. This is what Jesus said. And this is a powerful promise. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19. He says, listen carefully. I have given you authority that you now, what? Possess. Say possess. Yes. Okay? So you possess authority. All right? So Jesus isn't, the Bible's not just talking to the disciples. The Bible's talking to us. Every time we read God's word, Realize it's talking to us. He says, listen carefully. I have given you authority that, that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy. See, those, those things are, are, are kind of just like, um, uh, uh, man, my mind went blank, but just small things that, that would represent the enemy. Right? That would represent nipping at you or, or coming at you or trying to do things or harm you. He says, but I've given you the ability, ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy, which is Satan, and nothing will in any way harm you. Right? So that just lines up, right, with Mark chapter 16. Jesus supernaturally guarantees that whenever and wherever we go to preach the gospel, he would divinely protect us. He will be there. He will protect us against serpents 
and scorpions, and it would extend beyond anything else that the enemy would try to bring. Again, that Acts chapter 28 with Paul, right? Paul's out doing, doing the work of God. He's out ministering, right? And a snake comes out of the, the, the um, fire pit, bites him on, on the thing, and, you know, everyone's like, ooh, he's going to die. Let's watch, right? And then he didn't die. And they're all, well, man, he must be some kind of criminal. He must be some kind of this or that. But what happened? It opened the door for Paul to share, right? Because we'll read, well, we won't read. I didn't put it in here. But then, you know, a little later on, Paul gets the opportunity to pray for the, the, the main guy's dad who's sick. And what happens? He's healed because of this testimony, this, this power of God, this God's ability to, to continue, right, to, to protect us and, and help us. So obviously, one, we don't have snakes in the church, right? We won't do that ever. But you know what? There will be times when you go and it'll feel like you are a wolf. I mean, you are a sheep among wolves. And you might feel uncomfortable. You might feel, man, this is kind of weird. But man, God's power is always near. God promised that he would protect us in every situation. He'll protect us with hostile neighbors, right? He'll protect us in in a world um, full of hazardous pandemics. He will. He promises that. In, In violent cultures. So we can't let fear grip us like that. Because otherwise, we'll likely shut down and stay home and not even try to, try to get out there to do, do something. And so understand God's protection will be activated in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit as we move forward with the gospel. The, four, the, number, the second thing is that if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. Remember, again, this is about protection. Okay? So he's saying, first, you know what? Not even deadly serpents are going to um, jack with you or, you know, have authority over you. Whatever those, those things are that the enemy would bring into your life. And then he says, you know what? Man, you won't even drink anything deadly. If you do drink it, you know what? It will not hurt you. Okay? But, but I want you to tie, tie the premise in there. This is all about God's protection. Okay? You might think, well, I, I, of course I would never drink anything deadly. At least not on purpose. Well, that's, that's what he's talking about, right? Because nowhere, you know what, nowhere in there, because let's, let's go back. Um, again, not, not, not talking about uh, or slamming anything, anybody, but there are some churches that believe, hey, let's drink poisonous stuff to show God's protection on our life again. Okay? And that, that's just, again, kind of silly, kind of taking things out of context right? And I think, you know, they survive. It's not so much a demonstration of, 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 you know, the sign, but it's more about God's mercy, right? I mean, because part of me, part of me, you know, is just like, like we have a, have a rule in our house, and only one rule, right? And the rule is don't be an idiot, right? So anytime our kids go somewhere, and if they're going to go, you know, whatever, it's like, hey, don't break number one rule. Yeah, I know, don't be an idiot, you know, whatever. But, but sometimes I'm like, you know, it's just those practical things. Like, just don't, don't, don't do it, right? And see, God's divine protection is, is surrounding us, right? When, 
But when we do idiotic things, I think sometimes he's like, what are you doing? Well, well, well that's totally not, 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 not it. So here, you know, Jesus, I mean, look what he said. He said, if they drink anything deadly. He didn't say when you drink anything deadly. Right? It's it just, man, it's sometimes we got to understand. So the key word is if. If they drink, and this, right, um, this phrase in the Greek reference is something, um, if you happen to drink something, or for that matter, anything that you partake of, I'm going to even pull it into eating something that is not um, healthy for your body. Let's put it that way, right? Okay, so for an example, I ended up with a heart attack about eight years ago, somewhere around there. Was it five years ago, six years? I don't even know. Some time, right? Okay, but part of my problem was is I was an idiot because I, I went to McDonald's and ate a lot, and I went to this place and ate a lot, and I didn't pay attention to my body. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't doing anything, right? So I, there's some onus on me because I could sit there and, God, why didn't you protect me? Why didn't you, give, you know, remove all the, the, the fat and all the, the, the calories and all the things that made it bad so that, because I'm your servant, but he's like, yeah, you got to be smart, right? You got to use your brain. I didn't create McDonald's. Some other person did, but I, I created vegetables. I created other food for you to be able to eat. See, you understanding the difference between, okay, so I don't put any blame on God the fact that I had a heart attack. I, I put the blame on me because I just was not smart enough to stay away from McDonald's and all that other fast food stuff. But here he goes. He says, you know what? If you by any chance eat or drink anything that would cause um, something to be deadly or fatal to you, he says, it will by no means hurt you. All right, but you've got to be walking in faith, right? You've got to be walking. I mean, this whole thing is about that. But this, this, this thing, meaning, you know what, it, it, it will by no means hurt you, meaning there's no way, not at all, absolutely not. It, it actually has this, this intensified canceling posture in our lives when he says that. Like, he's, he's serious about this. See, if we go and we are doing God's work, using our brain, being smart, right, under his, his covenant of grace and protection, then when we encounter a situation, when we encounter a thing that we had no idea would harm us, would cause something to happen, there is God's protection and grace over our life to, to help us through it. Now, it may weaken us. It might even you know, disable us, but it's not going to kill us. It's not going to do things that, that or make us sick. It's just not because God promised that he would make sure that as a sign, you would be able to walk out of this thing that you would be able to get beyond that. Because, you know, you're thinking about the people that in, in, the, in the Old Testament, I mean, their, their health standards were a lot different than what we have today. Um, and so, you know, you, they would walk into different areas or situations or whatever, and maybe it's not, it wasn't the cleanest of places to eat. 
Or the fact that maybe, you know, have you ever eaten food that just didn't agree with you? Right? I had a friend, he was uh, back, this was back in like in middle school, and they were Indian. And I had never had like Indian food. Woo, man. It, it was hot, first of all. But I tell you, I got home and man, I was messed up for days. Um, just my stomach was not used to it. But see, as you go or as you travel or you get into situations, there are going to be times when you're going to encounter something that, man, maybe doesn't settle right, doesn't whatever, doesn't really happen as it should, or maybe because there's sanitary problems or situations that are going on, or maybe there's bacteria in the food, or maybe there's parasites in the food, or there, maybe there's all kinds of different things that would be harmful to our system. Jesus says, hey, don't you worry. I'm going to be there to protect you. I'm going to be there to, to um, guide you through all of this. But the, the, the thing is, is you, you got to go. Okay? Like if your neighbor, and you've been witnessing to your neighbor, and your neighbor says, hey, come on over. And then you go over to your neighbor's house and say, man, it's not the best sanitary conditions. But, man, you don't want to offend them. Right? So it's like, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you that you are sending me here for this moment and that I am going to be protected. I am going to experience the fullness of, of your protection and your grace over my life. Now, if you have your Bible, turn it to Psalms 91. And I just, we're going to just going to look at the scripture really, really quick because it's all about protection. Psalms 91 is. And I'm not going to go in deep about it. I just I felt like I wanted to share it with us. This is in the uh, 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 NIV version. But it says this, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I, whom I trust. Remember, this is about protection. Okay, So I'm just kind of trying to bring this in to, 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 the, to the, um, the message here. It says, surely he will save you from the fowler's snare. Okay, throw in from the serpent's bite, from the, the chemicals or the things that, would just, you know, that are not right for you, um, and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings uh, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness." nor the plague that destroys at midday. So all of these bad things that are supposed to be coming at you, that the enemy has plans and strategies for and tries to get you off and tries to do harm you and, and, and cause things to happen. Right here, Psalms 91 says, man, it's not going to come near you. Right? But, but, but let, me, let, me, let me finish and then I'll, I'll just kind of add something here. It says this, a thousand may fall by your side 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Praise God, right? You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge and make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Have you ever hit a Lego before or done something like that? When you're like, ah, that hurts? Yeah, man. Uh, uh. Anyways, 
He said, he will guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, where am I at? Verse 13. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord. Now think about that. God's, God's saying this. The Lord's saying this. It's because he loves me. That's why I'm going to do this. That, I mean, think about that. I love God. I love Jesus. So if I love him, that's a promise I can hold on to. These are promises I can hold on to. He says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, think about it this way. Go all the way back to verse 1, and it says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Think about this. The shelter, right? You've got a quiet time, a secret place with God. You are spending time with Him. You're fellowshipping, interacting, having, having a, this, this wonderful time. You can look at that as I, as I put this, this verse in. That's a bomb shelter, right? Think about it. That's kind of like a bomb shelter. You go to a bomb shelter to what? Be, be protected. When the bomb hits, when something happens. And so all of this stuff happens around it, but it doesn't come near you because you are protected in the shelter. But see, we've got to get in our mindset. In order for this protection to happen in our life, we've really got to be in the secret place with the Lord. We've got to really be spending time with the Lord and really like, you know, kind of just drinking from, from his glass all the time or drinking from this anointing, this grace in our life all the time. But see, when, when we are, then all of those things happen around us. 10,000, you know, fall all around us, but it's not going to come near us because we're under this, this, the shadow of the Almighty. So it's all about protection. Those two are about our protection. Throw in Psalms 91. Man, that's even more power packed. And then we get to the last one right here, he says, that he promised. Number five, the supernatural sign, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, Jesus said that believers, right, that's you and I, would lay hands or place hands upon the sick and they will recover. Let, let it sink in. And, and, and by, by him saying this, I, I think it's a great example that Jesus practiced what he preached. He practiced what he preached. Luke chapter 4, verse 40 said this. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them them. So here, here's this wide range of conditions in people's lives. A wide range. You know, they didn't have the pandemic. They didn't have the COVID pandemic back then. But just think of, in our, in our, in our lifetime, our days here now, wouldn't you say there is a various amount of different kinds of things that our bodies can, can attract or all of a sudden have happen in our, in our life? But it says here, despite that, Jesus still went and laid hands on each and every one of them, 
And it said he healed them. But see, here's, here's the great thing about it. Jesus just didn't do that to wow his followers. Like, hey, man, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to show how great I am. I'm going to show how awesome I am. So he did it, and they're like, wow, Jesus, man, you healed the paralytic guy. You are awesome, right? He just didn't do it that. I mean, he prob- that's probably what happened. People were wowed. They were blown away. But, but really, if you look at it, he did it throughout his ministry as a prophetic example of how we as disciples were to go to those who are sick and lay hands on them and pray for them. That's what I believe. Because, right, we're supposed to imitate Christ, right? Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. But really, it's all about the like, being like Christ-like. And so here we are. We have opportunities then. He's trying to show us, hey, you know what? You can go and you can lay hands on people and you can pray for them and expect, no, no matter how serious it is, no, how, no matter how terminal it is, and you can pray and you can expect that, you know what? God is beginning to work on their behalf. God is beginning to do that. But see, health was restored as a result of their obedience. Right? Matthew 14, 14 says, And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. Right? And we know sick, it's, you know, it's being weak. It's being in a broken condition. It's, you know, people are, who are considered um, invalid, just critically ill. But Matthew informs us that Jesus was especially drawn to those people. And he considered, I mean, these weak people that were considered, they had no hope. But here he was, Jesus shows us a greater picture. With love, right, and gentle care, he goes and he lays hands on them. And the healing power of, of, of God began to work in their lives begin to heal them. And you might say, well, yeah, but Pastor Scott, you know, that Jesus, when he lays hands on people, man, they get healed instantly. Well, we see one in the instance in the Bible where he prayed for a guy, you know, for his sight. And he said, oh, all I see is, is healing started, right? But all he sees is trees, people as trees. Healing wasn't instant. It, it kind of became this progressive thing. So what did Jesus do? He prayed for him uh, again, which is, again, a great sign for us to realize. Just because I prayed once and nothing happened doesn't mean we give up praying for that person. No matter how terminally ill they are. I told you that story about the young girl that, that when I first became a children's pastor, she had cancer. And I would go and visit her at least once a week, um, about 45 minutes away from where our church was. And... Um, Man, I prayed, and I prayed every single time. I prayed, I prayed, you know, off when I didn't see her that week or whatever. I was praying for her. I was, man, oh, like the Dickens I was praying for. That's kind of a weird word, but, you know, I was just praying for her. She ended up passing away. And I could have, what's up with that, God? Forget you. See, you don't do nothing. 
But you know what? I, I honestly believe God was in the midst of that circumstance, that situation the whole time, but that was not going to change my faith. All I knew is God said that you were supposed to go and pray. Let him do the, the work, right? Because you know what? You're not the healer. Jesus is. Right? You know what I mean? Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. So we put so much weight and pressure on ourselves that, man, I got to come up with this great prayer. I got to come up with, man, I, you know, man, the power of God's got to flow through me. Man, like I've told you in the past, I've had really bad prayers in my mind and God answered them. And I've had really eloquent, oh, beautiful prayers that I thought, oh, this is going to move mountains. And God did nothing. At least I thought he didn't do nothing. So it's not about that. It's about the fact that I'm just going to be obedient. God says, if I lay hands on the sick, Jesus says, as a sign, if I lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Now it's solely up to him how that happens. And, and, and the great thing about it is Jesus didn't hold on to it for himself. He commissioned you and I to do the same things that he did. I love that passage. I don't even, can't even remember where it's found. But where it says that Jesus, did, you'll do greater works than what Jesus did. Well, why, why aren't we seeing greater works? Whatever that works is, okay? Why aren't we seeing greater works? Because we don't have enough faith to believe it. We don't have enough faith in ourselves to believe that, you know what? God, God said who he, he said he is, and he is who he is in my life, and I have the ability and the authority to, to do these things. Not being, you know, about you getting all the glory. What about Jesus getting all the glory? But sometimes we just got to get ourselves out of the way. And so, you know, then Jesus, what he does, because he doesn't hold on to it to himself, he tells his disciples, hey, I want you to go. Go. Go out, and I want you to lay hands on the sick, and as part of that authentication, you will see them begin to be healed. Right? So, Mark chapter 6, verse 13. As the disciples went out in faith, laying their hands on the sick, they were believing and declaring healing over these people. It says this, and they cast out many demons and anointed, oil, and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. That's not Jesus. That's talking about the disciples. Right? And if we love Jesus, and we're a follower of Jesus, that means we are a disciple. So we have the same commission, if you will, as the disciples. And then here, here's where it gets even more liberating, I think, in some ways, if that's a correct word. He says, they will. Okay? They will recover. But the thing that we have to understand is that word, they will, the tense that is used in the verse doesn't picture something that is instantaneous. It, rather, it's something that occurs progressively. That's important to recognize because we're all about instantaneous. Right? Well, I prayed, and I expect it to happen right now. But, but realize, when we pray, you are depositing God's power into these people. And that process begins to happen. That process of healing begins to manifest itself. 
begins to happen. And so instead of being instant, it's this progressive health that begins to come and begins to take shape inside of the people. And so we have to understand that, that, that you know what, when you pray, it's about the possibility of instant healing. But a lot of times it's more about this progressive healing that takes place. That happens. So if we were to kind of take that, we could translate it this way. They shall progressively feel themselves getting better and better until finally they are all well and healthy. So it's important. It's so important because it lets us know that all healings do occur instantly. Many take place over a period of time. That should set you free from praying for people. Not feeling the stress, not feeling the pressure, but saying, you know what? I'm just going to be a conduit. See, what happens is this supernatural um, um, exchange, this transaction takes place when we lay our hands on people. It's a transference of God's... When you have people who don't know Jesus and you get an opportunity to pray for them and lay hands on them, you are, you are transferring the spiritual transaction going into, the person, into that person's life. They might not recognize or experience it right away and that might not click right away, but it is happening inside of them. And as God begins to bring healing, and, and let me just say this, this goes all the way even to you know, the big stuff all the way down to the common cold. Right? Because sometimes we just feel, well, now I don't need you to pray for me. I don't need you to lay hands on me. I just got a, a, a sinus infection. Well, let's go. Right? Do we have enough faith to believe, well, no, I can still lay hands on you and pray for you and believe that God can bring healing, even if it's progressive, not instant. Okay? Because the enemy will lie to you. See, it didn't work. You're, you are not good enough. You, you can't pray good enough. You can't have heaven just come down and heal. No, he wants you to be able to recognize, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm doing what I am called to do. I'm being obedient. And I'm praying the best prayer that I can pray. But I am believing and I am and, and stepping out in faith to say, you know what, Jesus? You are the healer. You're the great physician. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just like you walked on the face of this earth and healed people, I believe you do that today. And so I'm laying hands on my, my brother or my sister, and I'm believing the signs will follow, that they will walk in health. I mean, that's that simple. It's not complicated. That's not, hey, I'm quoting 50 scriptures, you know, and casting out the demon in the, in the sinus infection. That's just straight up, hey, I am just praying with my heart over the situation, and God... God, that's what's so great about God's grace. All of us have God's grace in our life, but that's what's so great about God's grace. It goes beyond our limitations. It goes beyond what we think we cannot do, right? But we can't let the enemy rob us of a blessing to pray for people. But he does so often because we get fearful. We think, well, I don't know. I might not that be, that be that good. I might not happen. But you know what? Get beyond that. Can I just encourage you? Get beyond that today. Okay? I, I, 
I challenge you as a, as, a, as a group of God's disciples. When you come across someone who needs prayer, don't back off. I don't, like I said, I don't, it doesn't have to be the most excellent prayer in the world. It's got to be you stepping out in faith to say, can I pray for you? Can I, can I even lay hands on you? Well, you might not even have to ask that. You just come alongside of them, you know, kind of just put your hand on their shoulder or, you know, arm or whatever. But see, you're being obedient. You're just stepping out in faith. And see, God loves that. That's what he wants us to do because, again, he's given us the authority to do that. So I, I just want to challenge you. Man, don't be fearful. Don't let the enemy rip you off. Man, you can pray and declare healing over people's bodies. And whether you see it immediately or you see it progressively, praise the Lord, it's happening. Right? So I'm going to end it here. And whoever um, is going to play guitar, come on up or, or keyboards or whatever it is. But let me just give you the three things, right? This is really quick. Required for God to use you in this way. Okay? These aren't hard. Right? The first thing is, is you just have to have a desire for God to heal through you. You hear that? You have to have a desire for God to heal through you. You have to believe that I can pray for people and that God can heal them. Not because of who you are, but because of who God is. But see, you've got to have that hunger. If you never believe that you can, you can pray for people and God will do something, then why? Then don't. You're not going to do it. So if you want to, you've got to have that desire. The second thing is, is you've got to have hands to lay on the sick. I mean, that's like a no-brainer, right? Kind of. But you've got to have hands to lay on sick people. Now, I think God honors an elbow or a foot, right, if you don't have hands. But I'm just saying, something, you have to have this spiritual transaction take place. And sometimes it's through touch. And the last thing is that your, that your faith is released to activate the power of God to heal. You have to release your faith. You've got to believe that God can do this. Not because of you and, and how wonderful a Christian you are. Just the fact that God is a God who loves people and wants people to, to walk in health. So if you can fulfill these three, then you're ready to see the signs that Jesus promised. The sign of, of laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. So to wrap it all up, Supernatural signs are supernatural, right? They require your faith to activate them into your life. And here's the key to me. And if you need help, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to grow your faith as you, as you step in deeper. Ask the Holy Spirit to even stretch you Right? You're walking in Walmart. Someone's coughing or looking really bad. Hey, I'm a believer. I love Jesus. And I, I heard my pastor tell me that I can lay hands on the sick and that God would begin to bring the, the healing back to them. Can I do that for you? And they might say, no. But you know what? You walk away going, I did what God told me to do. And man, and God gets so much joy out of that. 
So ask him to stretch you and really even to empower you, right? And all of it is so that he can authenticate the power of God in our lives as believers to those who are our unbelievers. So people can say, man, there is something about this Jesus. There is something about the God that you serve. There is something about the Holy Spirit working in you and transforming you in your life. But see, we have to understand that, you know what, it's going to take our faith and our relationship with God to activate all of that. And sometimes it's just being simple. It's not being complicated. It's not having to go to Bible school. It's not having to, you know, do whatever. I mean, you can have a, you can have a bedroom Bible college. You can't. What that just basically means is you're spending time with Jesus in your bedroom. Right? You don't have to go to seminary school. You can have bedroom Bible college with this book right here and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. And so hopefully throughout this whole message, you, you just uh, these messages, you, you kind of just are grabbing a hold of what the Holy Spirit can do in your life and what he wants to do. So if you would, bow your heads. Let me pray. Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father God, oh, we thank you for your graciousness and your goodness in our life. As we're wrapping up this this series, I thank you that you give us greater understanding and insight into who the Holy Spirit is in our life. That really this is all about Jesus, this is all about the Holy Spirit being active in our life in such a way that, Lord, we can be your disciples and can show the reality, the realness um, of who Jesus is for people. Send us to unbelievers. Send us to those, Lord, that need verification. <laughs> That's his bold prayer. But, but Lord, send us to those who need verification that God is real, that Jesus is real. And then work within our lives to have enough faith to get beyond ourselves, to move forward, to, to do all that you have called us to do, all that you have planted within our hearts to do for the kingdom of God. And then, Lord, we thank you that whether we are planting seed, whether we are watering seed, or whether we are seeing the full harvest of the seed. And I'm not even take that into prayer, Lord, as well. Because when we pray, we could be planting seed, and then we pray again, we're watering the seed, and then when we see full harvest, when healing comes, I thank you, Lord, that we experience the fullness of the signs that you've promised that would follow us as believers. I thank you for your protection and your grace upon our lives, Lord. That wherever we go, that, Lord, nothing will come near our dwelling. Nothing will come near us because of your protection and your grace. And so I thank you, Lord, as as we're ending this series. Increase our ability to communicate and to love um, spending time with the Holy Spirit. We thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. 
If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.